Hello, I'm David Plott, MLEX's Managing Editor for Asia, coming to you today from our bureau in Hong Kong. If you're a newcomer to MLEX's podcast series, a very warm welcome. If you're a returning visitor, welcome back. This week, Hong Kong has been playing host to a major gathering of data protection officials. The International Conference of Data Protection and Privacy Commissioners opened here on Monday. Officials from more than 70 countries are attending. Also here is MLEX's Chief Digital Risk Correspondent, Mike Swift, from our San Francisco Bureau. He's here with us now. Welcome to this podcast, Mike. It's great to be here, David. Mike, this conference is arguably the biggest event on the calendar for the data protection community. Now, one issue that's come up repeatedly has been the different approaches taken by regulators in Europe and the U.S. toward the issue of privacy. What have you heard about that this week? What are those differences and why do they matter? Yeah, David, the key difference is between uh, treating privacy as a fundamental right, as Europe does, versus uh, treating privacy as an economic right with more of a goal towards spurring commerce and innovation, as the United States does. And these are two uh, fundamentally different approaches. Uh, They matter because you get different results. Uh, It's an article of faith in Silicon Valley that the reason why YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter were all founded and grew in America is because the United States has taken a more hands-off approach to privacy regulation and has uh, passed, the laws that they have passed have essentially uh, given many internet platforms free reign uh, for liability for for things that are posted on them. Um, Europe, probably because of its history, um, decided that it wanted more of an emphasis on privacy as a fundamental human right, and, and that's an important distinction. Where do countries in Asia stand on privacy issues? Are are they leaning uh, more toward the U.S. or the European model? And is there an emerging Asian model of privacy regulations? Well, they're clearly leaning towards uh, the European model. Um, I I just sat down with uh, today with uh, Giovanni Buttarelli, who's the uh, European Data Protection Supervisor, and he was telling me with... um, Uh, a very evident uh, amount of uh, pleasure how there had been a parade of uh, Japanese privacy officials coming through his office in Brussels recently because Japan is, uh, you know, trying to get uh, a finding of adequacy that that its uh, privacy law is in harmony with the European law. And that's just one example. uh, South Korea is also seeking an adequacy finding under EU law. And... um, and, and other countries in Asia are also looking at that. Um, Giovanni told me that uh, six years ago he thought that there was really going to be a divergence between, in, the, in the world between uh, the U.S. model and the European model. And he no longer thinks that. He thinks there's a convergence uh, around the U.S., sorry, the European model. And that was really quite evident. And it's been evident all this week at, at this conference. Now, given the global nature of business, uh, the issue of transferring data from one country to another has become a hot topic, uh, particularly uh, with tough new rules from the European Union due to take effect next year. What exactly are those rules and why should businesses elsewhere in the world be concerned about them? Well, um, you're talking about the uh, General Data Protection Regulation, the GDPR, um, which is without a doubt, um, the most uh, important force in uh, 
privacy and data protection regulation in the world right now. It takes effect, as you said, uh, next May. Um, and it is going to uh, make very significant demands on any company that processes and controls the data of uh, European residents. And, so that, and that's going to have an impact around the world because uh, with the Internet, your customers come from everywhere in the world. And it's not like you can uh, just choose to have customers online that don't come from the EU. So you really have to comply. Um, the data transfers are also an issue that verges into trade. There's a, a big concern now about uh, some countries passing laws where they are requiring that data be stored locally, which call called localization. Um, countries like China and Russia are passing laws like that. Um, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which the U.S. Uh, decided to leave earlier this year, included provisions for data privacy, limits on data localization, and access to source code. And uh, with the, you know, one effect of the U.S. leaving that, uh, the TPP is that uh, it's not clear how, how uh, those data tr uh, transfer uh, measures are going to be, be kept. Um, but really the key thing that's really fueling this, this sort of uh, move towards Europe is, is the, the um, adequacy issue, that if you want to do business with people in Europe, you really have to think about harmonizing your laws with Europe. And uh, that's just really clearly um, affecting Asia in a big way. Well, going back to the issue of privacy, are, are there really any common values of privacy around the world? You know, I, I think there are. Um, there was some uh, a couple fascinating moments at the uh, conference today where um, the um, Data Protection Authority uh, chief from Japan and also the, his counterpart from Singapore noted that there is no, um, it's not possible to translate the English word privacy directly into Japanese, nor is there um, a direct translation into Tagalog. And in both cases, the English word has now entered the language of those countries. And so, you know, you sort of see how um, this regulation is actually, you know, changing the language of these places. So, you know, I, I think there is a move. It's not like something that's going to happen in the next year or two. But, but long term, I think there is this, this convergence, as uh, Buterelli talked about today. Now, the, the issue of data security, that, that's closely tied to the issue of privacy. Right. Now, the recent massive data leak at uh, U.S. credit agency uh, Equifax uh, and the earlier breaches at Yahoo, now they've underscored that link. Right. Uh, how are regulators dealing with the issue of cybersecurity and its impact on privacy? Well, again, here's where uh, the EU and the U.S. have very, uh, very different views. Um, in, in the U.S., uh, there is no national data security law. Um, every time there's a major breach like Yahoo and Equifax, uh, some Democrats in Congress stand up and they say, we need a law. But uh, there's really no sign that that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, currently in the U.S., there are data breach laws. The U.S. actually has had laws longer than Europe has, but they are... Um, uh, state laws, so um, they are very different in each individual state. Uh, there are, I think, either 47 or 48 states that now have their own individual laws, but it's very much something of a patchwork quilt. Um, on the other hand, in Europe, when the GDPR takes effect next uh, next May, there will be one law, uh, one for, that, that sets out 
prescriptive rules with financial penalties if you don't comply for data security. And that's a very different uh, situation than, than in the U.S. Now, given the revelations by uh, Edward Snowden, the former contractor for the U.S. National Security Agency, of the extensive ability of intelligence agencies to snoop on the lives of ordinary citizens uh, uh, and even businesses, are there regulatory measures that can or should be taken globally to uh, mitigate these kinds of risks? Well, you know, we did kind of an interesting story this uh, this week where um, John Edwards, who's um, the privacy commissioner for New Zealand and also chairman of the uh, conference that's meeting this week, um, has made a proposal where um, he's saying that post-Snowden, it's kind of ridiculous for the intelligence agencies to disavow that there's electronic surveillance going on. So his point is like, look, let's not debate that this is happening. We know it's happening. Let's, uh, as civil data protection authorities, let's try and work with the intelligence agencies to make sure that what surveillance is done is done in the way that has uh, the least bad impact on privacy. And uh, it's an interesting proposal. Um, uh, you know, it's a very, it's a sort of a light touch type of regulation. There, these wouldn't be rules, they would just be guidelines. Um, but but it's, uh, it's interesting, and he's really trying to sort of raise the profile for that idea. Now, with the proliferation of devices and machines that are connected to the Internet, you know, the so-called Internet of Things, uh, the risks and opportunities of big data uh, are quickly emerging as a major privacy and data security uh, issue. What's happening on this front from a regulatory point of view? Uh, again, we have different stories. I sound like a broken record here between the United States and Europe um, and, and Asia. The Internet of Things is, is a huge vulnerability for cybersecurity. It's been uh, widely recognized that uh, these you know, household appliances, televisions, uh, thermostats, cars, they may not have the same level of security built into them in many cases um, as uh, computers and phones do. And so there's a real vulnerability there. There was a really chilling case uh, in the United States where um, someone was able to hack into uh, baby monitors and post it online in, in like a pedophile's uh, uh, forum. And these folks were able to like peer in on babies through the internet. Uh, you know, so you, you have that sort of really chilling scenario. But it, because of weak security, you can also take these internet-connected things, you can weaponize them, you can turn them into uh, bot networks that can then go out and uh, cause havoc. Um, one security official told me a few months ago that one thing that you could do, for example, is like switch these devices on and off so rapidly they would overheat. You could literally set 20 fires in, all, in one city at the same time by doing that. So... Um, Everyone recognizes it's a huge problem in the United States. Everyone is saying, we want to go with self-regulation because we feel like if we have strict rules, we're not going to get the same technical innovation. Europe, however, is not only through the GDPR, but also through their e-privacy initiative, is going to have much more specific rules with penalties if you don't comply. So uh, I guess in the long run, we'll see uh, which approach wins, but uh, they are definitely going in different directions. 
Now, Mike, we, we hear a lot these days about artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, should privacy, privacy advocates be worried about the development of these kinds of technologies? Well, the bottom line is nobody knows for sure. I mean, you have uh, such prominent figures in Silicon Valley as uh, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Tesla founder and SpaceX founder Elon Musk, uh, you know, out, you know, debating basically whether uh, AI is a, is a big threat to our privacy and, and to our safety. And, you know, I think the bottom line is uh, nobody really knows and we should be concerned. Um, I attended a, a judges conference in San Francisco recently where uh, Facebook's artificial intelligence chief said it would be, and you know, another 20 years before we would um, have a HAL 9000, you know, re- reference to uh, old time uh, science fiction there where, where you had a computer that was sort of uh, could make decisions for itself. But others think it could be much, it could happen much more quickly than that and that, that we really need to, to take, take care about that. But even beyond that, if we think about you know, the, the rapidly um, proliferating use of big data, the Federal Trade Commission recognized in a recent report that um, there's a tremendous possibility there for discrimination that would be you know, machine-based, basically, if, if the data that's input is, is inaccurate or flawed or, and the algorithms that interpret it are flawed, then you can get a flawed result which would be prejudicial to some people. And um, so, you know, I think many people feel that that is something that really needs to be watched very closely. And I, I think that's an accurate way to look at things. So even though a, a Terminator-style AI machine <laughs> may not take over the world tomorrow, these technologies need to be uh, handled carefully. Uh, and that means regulators will need to stay one step ahead uh, to address all the issues that are certain to arise as the technology continues to evolve. Mike, thanks very much for sharing your insights on this fast-moving area of regulatory change and risk. We'll be looking forward to more coverage of the unfolding developments around data protection and the ongoing privacy debate as our team continues to follow and anticipate them. Again, thanks, Mike. Oh, it's been great to be here. Thanks, David. If you'd like to read all our reporting on data security and privacy, you can find it on our website. Point your browser to emlexmarketinsight.com. Click on Insight Center, then click on Editor's Picks. I'm David Plott. Thanks very much for joining us today, and be sure to visit us again soon for more insight and analysis in MLEX's ongoing series of podcasts.